This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Well, hello and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, as always, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, please give us a call at 541-773-9567, or you can always visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And a lot of our clients love to go to that webpage because they can check out all of our past radio shows and also subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can also reach out to us with any questions you might have about the show or set up a face-to-face or virtual meeting right there on the website. Now, listeners, I recently had a very interesting chat with a client who was interested in setting up a charitable trust. And while my client had a very good understanding of some of the things that go on in setting up a charitable trust, they were asking quite a few questions um, and the conversation became a little bit more complex uh, than the process has to be. And so I thought after having that conversation with my client that we'd spend some of today's show discussing the mechanics as well as the pros and cons of setting up a charitable trust. And let me just first address a question that probably popped into your mind about this topic. No, you do not need to be wealthy to set up a charitable trust. There are many reasons to do that, even if you aren't wealthy. Uh, But before we talk about this uh, topic more, I want to bring in my co-host who always joins this show and he's super chipper, Mr. Tony Shore. (laughs) I am always chipper, right? I mean, come on, Nick. You got me there. Uh, I always... The, the listeners cannot see Tony's face, but he is always just smiling and chipper and he's just excited always with my topic. So I, I love it. Even when you're talking about charitable trusts, I find I find That's a right. way, Nick, to get excited. So, <laughs> but no, we're going to have a great show today. You know why I'm so happy today, though? Do you, do you know, know what happened yesterday that made me so happy and I think we should all be celebrating? Amongst all the bad news, the rising inflation, the war in Ukraine, we got a bit of good news and surprising news yesterday, and I have to bring it up on the show, Nick. Um, I know I'm, I'm surprising with this. We didn't talk about this before the show, but I have to bring it up because I'm so excited. The Senate, for and I don't know when the last time this happened, but by unanimous vote, both parties, everyone who voted, it was unanimous, voted to get rid of the changing the clocks daylight savings time. They did. I did not hear that. Um, The Senate passed a bill yesterday that said uh, daylight savings time starting next year, once we change the clocks next year, it'll stay. No more changing clocks. Wow. And that is something that I think everybody I know has wanted. And, uh, you know, yeah. we're all tired and cranky this week, right? Because we had, we lost that hour <laughs> of sleep and it's a hassle because some States don't change. Some States do. You got to keep track of the time zones. It's a mess. And everyone yeah. agrees. Yep. I don't know why they've waited so long. 
But our Senate actually agreed on something. It was unanimous. There wasn't That's, one dissenting vote. Now, it, it has to go to the great. House. It has to pass the House. Uh, but people are confident that it will. And then the president has to sign it into law. But I believe that it will pass the House and will be signed into law. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you know, we call it the do nothing Congress and we're pretty frustrated with our government, you know, over the last, uh, you know, eight to how many every years. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the last, you know, uh, four to eight have been rough, you know. So I think this is great that this is happening. Obviously, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty uh, light event compared to all the issues in the world today. But it is something we as Americans, I think, have wanted. Right. Well, for sure. And, you know, most of uh, our listeners get up pretty early on Sunday mornings to listen to our show. And <laughs> there so, you, go. you know, this week might be a little difficult. They got to, you know, they want to stay in bed That's an extra true. hour, but hopefully not. Hopefully we can add some good value to them again on this nice Sunday morning. Well, right? Exactly. And uh, charitable trusts. You know, I think people might have a misconception. They think you need to be wealthy to establish a trust. Uh, and I think my first instinct has always been, aren't charitable trusts just for millionaires or people like Jeff Bezos? But that's not really the case, is it? It, it is not the case, not not at all. And, you know, the, the first question that uh, you really need to ask yourself is, should you set up a charitable trust and why? And so, you know, one thing that we definitely need to talk about here is in order to even consider this, you really need to have a good attorney on your side that can help write the trust. Um, and so our conversation today is obviously for informational purposes only. But if it leaves you, you know, this conversation leaves you intrigued about establishing a trust, I just really urge you to uh, to work both with your legal and, and, and tax experts. And we, Tony, in the Valley here in the Rogue Valley can obviously offer you and refer you some of the best local trust experts in our area and tax experts. That's a, a lot of what we do uh, for the planning of our own clients. Now, the truth is, though, if you have extra assets and have a cause that you deeply care about, a charitable trust may be just a great option, okay? And additionally, a charitable trust may also provide an avenue to pass your assets down without estate or gift tax implications, ah. um, which is a nice well, bonus. Well, sure, and if I, I remember correctly, there are different types of charitable trusts, right? There, there definitely are. So a charitable trust can be designed in numerous ways with various tax implications. However, the, the charitable remainder trust and the charitable lead trust are two of the most very common types. And so if you build a charitable remainder trust, you'll first use cash and other assets to fund it. And from there, the trust pays out a stream of income to your family or beneficiaries during either their lifetime or a, a predetermined established window of time. And then when they die or the window closes, the assets then remain and go to the charity. Okay. Well, yeah. And so, okay, I get how that can work. Now, um, it seems fairly straightforward. What are the nuances of a charitable lead trust? Right, right. So with the charitable lead trust, payments from the trust are sent to the charity first, and then the remainder then goes to the beneficiary at the end of the established trust term. And so th this kind of trust is often funded as a component of a legacy plan, because it may reduce the beneficiary's tax burden today. And so to put it simply, Tony, the estate receives a charitable deduction and the beneficiary receives what's left. Clearly choosing between a charitable remainder trust and a charitable lead trust can be difficult 
which obviously means that working with an experienced financial services professional to help determine which of those, um, you know, ideas you should roll with, um, it's just very, yeah, very essential. I would, I would think so. And it's just one more reason to work with a financial services professional like yourself, because um, alongside an estate planning attorney and a tax professional, I know that you have people in your office that help people with that. Uh, and you need, it's got to be part of an overall financial plan and part of your retirement plan. So let's talk about some of these. What do you think some of the advantages of a charitable trust are, Nick? Okay, so the first significant advantage is that if you have a cause or an organization that you're passionate about, you know that your assets uh, may make a real difference to them. And so as many of my clients age, they begin to speak more about wanting to leave behind something that really matters, not just for the people that they love, but also the causes that they care about. And so when it comes down to the, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of um, the charitable trust, there are, there are other possible advantages, not the least of which is potentially reducing both your own tax burden and the, the burden of your beneficiaries as well. Okay. And then finally, if you're worried a sale may lead to high taxes, a charitable trust may be a very good option. For example, um, if you have a large capital gain of a piece of property of, let's say, 250000 or higher, um, you may be enough, uh, th- that may be enough of a taxable gain to give some people pause about actually doing it. But by designing a trust, you may be able to move that high gain asset into the trust, uh, a strategy that makes um, sense for you and also um, becomes the trust uh, an asset. Uh, I'm sorry, I should say that the trust then becomes an asset's owner. And then once the asset is in the trust, it can potentially be sold without getting smacked with those huge capital gains Andy, taxes. Okay. That, that sounds like for a lot of people, there are real advantages there, but you better give us some of the disadvantages as well. Are there disadvantages to a charitable trust? There are, there are. And so perhaps the biggest disadvantage to setting up a charitable trust is that there are fees for both establishing it and managing it. And furthermore, trusts may often be irrevocable. Okay. And and that means that if your financial needs or status down the road changes, um, it's extremely difficult and challenging to get your hands on the funds that you put into that irrevocable trust. And, and Tony, also there's potential that your family or your chosen heirs may not like the decision that you have made to donate some of your assets to a certain cause, which uh, can obviously um, cause some arguments and unhappiness, right? right? Well, (laughs) yeah, for sure. So let's go back to what you mentioned at the top of the segment. How much money does somebody need to establish a charitable trust? Is there a level of money you need to make it worth it? Okay, so the simplest way to put it is that you don't need to be rich to benefit from a charitable trust. And most importantly, you'll want to be certain that the potential advantages of the charitable trust are greater than the various management costs that may be involved. Okay, and you'll also want to closely look at your current and future needs when deciding if you can spare these extra assets. So essentially, the assets that you contribute to a charitable trust should be surplus money not money that's vital for your day-to-day needs. The the amount that you're going to place into the trust will ultimately come down to your circumstances and personal philosophy and values, 
uh, all the more reason why you need to have a good plan and come up with those conversations with uh, your trusted financial advisors. Okay. Sure. And that makes perfect sense. Now we should take a quick break here, but Nick, do you have anything you want to add before we do? I definitely do. I, I would just urge our listeners to visit our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com um, or call our number at 541-773-9567 if any of the topics interest you and you want some more information. All right. That sounds good. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Jones Financial Talk and our host, Nick Jones, right after this. In today's volatile environment, making sure your assets are properly aligned with your financial goals has never been more important. Money can go up or down in value, and it may pose a risk if it isn't properly managed to serve a specific purpose in a comprehensive plan. If you've ever thought that maybe too much of your assets were exposed to market risk, you owe it to yourself and your retirement to check out the Color of Money Risk Analysis. The first step is getting your assets aligned with your goals. At Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, we use the simple 11-question survey to help gain insight into your financial profile. Armed with your score, we can help you make decisions about your asset allocation in retirement. To learn more about this valuable self-assessment, visit us at jonesfinancialtalk.com or call us today at 541-773-9567. Welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. Once again, this is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates. Listeners, as always, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, I'd urge you to give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. During today's first segment, listeners, we talked about some of the advantages and drawbacks of setting up a charitable trust. Next, I'd like to focus on a different but not less important topic that a lot of people have talked to me about lately, and that is retirement wealth gaps. And as you can likely imagine, ensuring as best as possible that you're going to have enough money for your preferred retirement is one of the biggest concerns that clients come to us with. So let's discuss that a little bit more, Tony. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one thing that we're all worried about is running out of money in retirement. So uh, it's important. You want to know you'll have enough. And I think a lot of folks who are in their late 50s and early 60s probably stare up at the ceiling at night wondering if they're going to get the retirement they really want, right? Well, exactly. And, you know, the reason why I think it's important for us to talk about uh, the retirement wealth gap today is because if people really want to consider uh, charitable remainder trust, for instance, they got to make sure that we have enough money set aside for their income goals, right? And and um, it's it's just something that we need to uh, clearly define and, and know exactly what we're looking for. And so, you know, he, here's an uh, an excellent analogy, I think, when it comes to thinking about a wealth gap. So uh, imagine, Tony, that you're standing on the bank of a river and the place that you're standing is your current financial status, okay, which is made up of your income and all your other assets. And the opposite riverbank is your ideal retirement. Mm. And so you probably already know what I'm going to say, but, you know, the water floating between the two banks, that's the gap that you need to prepare for that, obviously, retirement wealth gap. Yep. We should have shirts made, bridge the gap. <laughs> Nick jo- with with Jones Financial, right? Uh, I love it. I love bridge it. Bridge the gap. So uh, I want to get in on the, the analogy game here. When it comes to getting from your current riverbank to the one in the distance, the financial services professional, Nick Jones in this case, 
is the trusty rowboat that may be able to help you navigate that water or the person oh that, or the person that will help build a bridge to get you across right nice nicely uh, done mr shore yeah. yes that, that that would be perfect for the analogy um you know, I don't think that it's any great revelation to note that if you don't have a strategy, then finding your way through that river's current to the other side is just going to be incredibly challenging. And so let's talk about just how important is that strategy. You know, um, I like to use business owners as an example also a lot when we talk on our show. And many business owners spend hours a day, every day, working at their business and worrying about, you know, even when, the, and they're worried about the, their their work, even when they aren't actually working. And owning a business just isn't for the faint of heart at all. It's, it's an all-in endeavor for sure. Um, and so when you're working hard at your business, it can be easy to forget about what you need to get from your current riverbank to the distant retirement riverbank. And in this example, you know, some business owners believe that they'll get across that retirement river by just selling their business. But guess what, Tony? Only about 5% of businesses sell for what the owner thinks it's actually worth. 5%. Wow. That's a stark example. So my takeaway from that is strategize, strategize, strategize. And, and then strategize some more because, <laughs> you know, yeah. next, uh, um, to know how wide your wealth gap is going to be, you have to know where you currently are, right? Sure. And and uh, you need to be able to measure your wealth, your wealth gap uh, and, and you must do a full rundown of all your current income producing assets minus your business and home. This is very important when we talk about um, retirement planning and wealth gaps with business owners. Okay. So why should a person's home and business not be included? So the main reason for that, Tony, is, um, you know, it's best not to think of your home as an asset for the topic that we're discussing because it doesn't produce income for you today. Now, if you sell your home and downsize, you'll probably put some of the money in your pocket, but you'll still need a place to live, which will come with a cost, whether you have a mortgage or rent. Okay. And along those same lines, you shouldn't include your business when determining your wealth gap because in most cases, it won't be providing you with any income once you've retired from it. And while it's possible that you may be able to sell your business for a great price, the reality is that only 20% of businesses are actually able to be sold. Wow. Okay. Pretty, uh, another big number, right? And so when it comes to figuring out your wealth gap, it's probably a smart move to operate under the assumption that you won't be able to sell your business. Hmm. Interesting. I had no idea. So once we do know where we're at, what's next? So after you know where you are, it's time to figure out where you're going to go, right? And, and figuring out where you're going often comes down to some broad, very, very broad and very important questions. Um, things like, when do you want to retire? Where do you want to retire? What kind of lifestyle do you want in your retirement? And do you want to travel um, whenever, you know, whenever you feel like it? Um, those are all very, very important questions. And and so, Tony, let's let's just return for a minute to uh, the example of the business owner that we talked about earlier. A lot of business owners list their smartphone, for example, as a business expense and therefore don't pay for it out of pocket. But once they no longer own the business, the ability to write off that phone vanishes. And that's just a small example of exactly the kind of thing that you need to consider when figuring out your wealth gap. When you sit down and think about your budget, you know, what are the things that you are used to uh, used to having, and are you going to be able to still afford those? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think a lot of the topics that we've discussed in the past uh, and what you're talking about here 
make me feel grateful that I work closely with a financial services professional who get, you know, who's gotten to know me and my needs and goals. And that's what I think our listeners need to do. Pick up the phone and, and give you a call. Well, that, that that's exactly right. And, you know, Tony, I've been uh, in our industry for about 20 years, um, but it doesn't mean that I've lost the ability to see how confusing and overwhelming things are uh, to figure out, like with your, your wealth gap. And um, but as you said, working with somebody in our field um, may help make more sense uh, of everything that you need to do to get ready for that retirement that you've worked really hard for. So just please, please sit down with somebody and get a second opinion. So uh, what do you have for us next today? Thank you, Tony. Yeah. So if we talk about kind of the next critical topic, um, that would be addressing that wealth gap formula. And using the example uh, that we talked about earlier, it assumes that if you have about a million dollars in assets with a 4% distribution rate, you'll be able to live fine off the money. Uh, and so in retirement, the example that we used earlier, if you're going to need somewhere around 200 or 225,000 of pre-tax money to have an annual income of somewhere around 150,000, that means that you're going to need around $4 million to close your wealth gap. Wow. Huge amount. Yeah, that's right? a big amount. How, how, do, how do you arrive at that number? So first you have to understand your current financial picture. And from there, you determine the pre-tax income that you're going to need to maintain your current position during retirement. And then finally, you calculate the size of the lump sum that you're going to need to maintain that income using the 4% rule. Okay. So lastly, uh, then you subtract your assets to determine your wealth gap. And so in this example that we've talked about so far on the show today, you'll need about $5 million to earn the necessary $200,000, $225,000 a year of, of gross yearly income from the 4% distribution rate. And figure that that was uh, basically come up with by dividing $200,000 by 4%. Okay. And so from there, $5 million minus your million that you have in assets leaves you with that wealth gap of about $4 million. Okay. Makes sense, I guess. But where does Social Security fit into all this? Okay, so if we stick to the previous calculation, then Social Security will probably add an extra about $40,000 a year uh, in benefits to your income. Um, but make sure that you think bigger than just that 40000 because 40000 in benefits combined with the 40000 from your 4% distribution rate reduces your income gap to only $3 million. Okay, so that's a huge benefit. Yeah, that's quite the difference. It, it, it certainly is. And shrinking your wealth gap by a million bucks definitely shows how important Social Security can be for many folks. But I don't want you to forget that in this scenario, you're, you're still starting at about $3 million of a wealth gap. And so think about these numbers, Tony. If you're 45 today, uh, you'll need to save about $9,000 a month in a very hypothetical return of 7% just to make up the difference between now 45 and the age of 60. Wow. Well, if that doesn't make you break out into a cold sweat, nothing will. Uh, give us some <laughs> steps that our listeners might take to close a potential wealth gap. Sure, sure. So the first step is to work part-time. And I don't want you to panic though, listeners, because working part-time doesn't mean that you have to delay your retirement. Working part-time on your terms and on your schedule simply provides some extra revenue to go along with the Social Security and other assets that you have. And so if you just do the math, you know, if you work 20 hours a week doing something that you like for, say, $15 to $20 an hour, 
you'll be earning another $1,500 to $2,000 a month in gross income. Hmm. Yeah, and I appreciate that you emphasize that working part-time doesn't mean you have to do something you don't want to do. Uh, I think there are a lot of opportunities out there, especially now, to earn extra money doing something that's flexible and that you would enjoy. That's exactly correct. We've talked about lots of those ideas on our shows before, you know, and um, but, you know, Tony, the next thing to emphasize here is the value of tax efficiency. And we have talked about this a lot. Um, Uncle Sam taxes different types of savings in very different ways. And understanding those differences can go a long way in helping you secure um, more income in retirement. For, For example, if you had, you know, a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, for at least five years and are 59 and a half, you may be able to take withdrawals from those accounts tax-free. And if you currently have a traditional IRA or a 401k, you may want to work with somebody, a financial services professional, to help discuss the pros and cons of converting to a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k from your current situation. Right. And am I right that a health savings account may also play a role in providing some retirement income? That, that is exactly correct, uh, for sure, Tony, because while uh, HSAs or health savings accounts <clears throat> are primarily designed to cover your medical expenses at all ages, you may be able to use them for some additional uh, non-medical expenses. And so doing so before the age of 65 does come with a penalty. But once you've hit that birthday, uh, you can use your HSA much like you do uh, a traditional IRA without, uh, with just, I, sh- I should say, regular taxes on withdrawals. But you'll also have the bonus perk of tax-free medical withdrawals and no required minimum distributions like you have with traditional IRAs. Well, I think a lot of people out there are probably surprised when they get a sense of just how much financial flexibility HSAs provide then. They will, for, for sure. And you know, another thing that we've talked about on the show a few times, Tony, is downsizing yep. because, the, you know, th- that is another important way to potentially maintain your preferred retirement lifestyle. Um, you know, you can move to a smaller home or a more affordable community or both. And w- when discussing moving to a smaller house, um, it usually is going to save my clients money. I also encourage them to remember that a smaller home means fewer expenses and, and less upkeep and more financial flexibility to travel and enjoy all the new hobbies that they typically have when they retire. Yeah, well said. That's great. And this has been an outstanding show, Nick. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we conclude today? Well, yeah, you know, listeners, if you have any questions about charitable trusts or retirement wealth gaps or your financial strategy, I would just really encourage you to reach out to us. We are here in the Rogue Valley to help you. Um, That's what we're here for. And so you can do that in two ways. Either go to jonesfinancialtalk.com or simply give us a call at 541-773-9567. All right. And that does it for today's episode of Jones Financial Talk with our host, Nick Jones. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. 
Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones, Herstel Jones, and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.